Hello friends, this is Mindy with Mindy Joy Ministries and with Revive Your Soul with Mindy Joy Podcast Station. Um, just letting you know, I have a music website and that would be mindyjoymusic.com where you could hear my songs. Um, and this is going to be one of them coming up, Psalm 63. It's not up there yet. And then I also have a website called mindyjoyministries.com. But for right now, you are on my podcast, if you're listening, and it's Revive Your Soul with Mindy Joy. And I purposely didn't put Revive Your Spirit because when you're born again, your spirit's already perfect. There's nothing to revive. But we do have to work on our... Um, our soul and our flesh until Jesus comes back and we get a glorified body um, or when it's appearing comes, let's say like that. That's more accurate as I'm learning from my wonderful pastor. So anyways, um, I wanted to focus on Psalm 63 because that was part of my reading this morning. And my husband wrote a song years ago on this scripture, and I never paid much attention to it, but there's something about when you put a melody to um, a scripture and it brings out certain things. Um, I'm sure you all can relate. Just think of some of your favorite like gospel songs that are actually scripture and the way that they're sung and you know the way that like the singers sing with so much passion, you maybe never thought of like, the way that they belt out the word, um, the Lord is the strength of my life. And I'm just putting that as an example, but the way that somebody belted that out or maybe how they sang it so, um, intricately and, and just a beautiful melody or quietly. And, um, it just brought out a facet of worship and praise of just somebody being very intimate with the Lord. I think, you know what I'm talking about? So, um, just music, the way that singers sing and all the different plethora of um, different voices and timbres out there and the way that they act, you know, what I, I find it fascinating how different musicians will interpret the same song. Like some singers will choose to accent certain words in a phrase that another singer wouldn't accent. And it just makes the whole verse in the scripture have um, a different, you know, a different flavor to it, not a different interpretation, but like a different flavor, you know, for example, like the scripture, I think it's Proverbs 3, 3, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. You know, one singer might sing that with putting a lot of emphasis on the word trust, um, you know, and somebody might sing with other emphasis on the word trust in the Lord, you know, it's the Lord. And then another um, person might put emphasis on with all your heart and maybe hold heart for a long time. So, okay, that's enough example after I said I wasn't going to give an example to bore you with details, but here we go. So I decided for the first time that I was going to read Psalm 63 in the Passion Bible since I already sang it um, I think it was kind of like the King James and the English standard version. Um, I sang this Psalm and so in the song that my husband wrote, but this kind of like the passion version just really, um, spelled it out. So this is what I wanted to sing out, how I wanted to encourage you today through the spirit of God, 
operating through me towards you, whoever you are. I don't know who you are. You know, I do these podcasts alone in my little purple studio. Um, and I've got a microphone. I'm all alone here with earphones. So I have no idea who this is going to reach. I'm just following the spirit of God because it's um, getting to be late at night. And I feel such an urgency to get this out here. So, okay. Um, moving forward, what and why and how, what God is saying, Psalm 63, and in the Passion Bible, it entitles it thirsting for God. And it says for the pure and shining one, King for the pure and shining one, which would be God, Jesus, King David's song when he was exiled in the Judean wilderness. So here's singing and glorifying the pure and shining one. You know, the Bible says that um, God is the perfection of beauty. He's the beauty of holiness. There are scriptures that say that. I love to say that over and over again. He's the perfection of beauty. Nothing gets more beautiful. He created beauty and he is beauty. He created love, um, but he is love. Um, he created holiness, but it's a beautiful holiness. A lot of times we get holiness mixed up with religious, you know, holiness always exudes love, um, and, and love exudes holiness. So Sila on that. Um, so here we go. It says, Oh God of my life, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. So this is how we should be like where we're going through hard times, horrible periods. You know, I entitled this getting through a horrible time because I know I've got sisters and brothers out there and I've been that been there where you're taking care of sick loved ones. Sometimes, um, like I know a sister, you know, her husband's going through something and I've certainly been through that. Like I believe I've shared before that, you know, my dad had um, an amputation very shortly after that. My husband at the time had an amputation. I never thought that amputation would just be like a household word, you know, thrown around, you know, the dinner table, like it's just, you know, normal, but, um, you don't ever think that. And, and if, and if it's you, you don't ever think that, you know, at some point in your life, you're going to be without a limb or without fingers or something, but it does, you know, it, it happened. And so, you know, I know my late husband, he used to still praise the Lord. You know, he, he never stopped praising the Lord, um, even after they cut off his legs. So um, he says, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. And I, I just wanted to kind of give a shout out to all the caretakers because it breaks your heart. If it's your child, you know, some parents, their kids are going through chemo, like their little kids have are dealing with cancer. And then I have another sister who's going through chemo herself for breast cancer. And it's just so painful, you know, to, um, you know, you just, it's just so painful to know that your loved ones are going through these things. And so this is a wilderness period too. It's like going through horrible, horrible times, you know, when life stops, especially if you're the caretaker or the person yourself going through physical ailment, life stops and, you know, you don't go out anymore. Um, you're grateful for a day, perhaps that your loved one could keep down food, or maybe they took three steps that day in rehabilitation, or maybe your loved one had a stroke and actually they were able to say one word or they were able to lift their right hand a little bit. I mean, these are, you know, life takes on a whole different journey um, and you see life in a different way and, and it's also isolating. So that's why I put the adjective a horrible time, a horrible time. But in Christ, we still can get into the zone where we're before the pure and shining one and he shines on us. And so it says, Oh God, 
Oh God of my life, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst for the deepest longings to love you more with cravings in my heart that can't be described. Such yearning grips my soul for you, my God. And again, um, King David is singing this while he's exiled in the wilderness. So this is not a good time that he's singing this. He's not just singing this. He's not just saying this and writing this song because everybody, everything is just great and wonderful and everybody loves him. And, you know, he just, um, his 401k just shut up and, um, you know, the Dow Jones is all on his behalf and all that kind of stuff. That ain't what's happening here. And he says, I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power. And, you know, it says that, in the Bible that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it says, I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary. So we can say like, you know, when we get in our prayer, you know, in our prayer time and, um, and we seek God, you know, he's, he hears us on the throne. Like, I, I don't even know, like scientifically how many umpteen miles he's away from us on the throne somewhere in the North side of something of the sky of heaven. I, I'm not, um, my pastor can tell you more about that. I'm not the one, but, um, it's really fascinating when he talks about it, but I haven't retained that particular part of scripture that he taught on. But, um, there is an exact location where God is. Nobody knows, you know, how to reach it or anything. Um, Nimrod tried to reach it and evidently he was getting kind of successful because God stopped it. But it says, I'm, energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power. Just think about it. Like he hears our prayer for power. He hears our prayer for strength all the way on his throne, all the way. Um, and drink in more of your glory. And at any time, like the Holy spirit can comfort us when we just kind of quiet down and stir up the gift of God that's in us through the Holy spirit, because the Holy spirit is shed abroad our heart. You know, the, um, the Holy spirit, um, the love of the Holy spirit is shed abroad our heart. So we feel the love of God on in the spirit. And we also have the love towards God in the spirit. It's, it's our, you know, it's when we were born again, we weren't, we, we were once born in the flesh, of course, you know, thank God our parents birthed us, our moms birthed us, but here we're born of the spirit. And so this is a benefit or the glory of our salvation. And verse three says, for your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. And I agree with that, like more than life itself, like God is my life. He's the breath of my life. He's the source of my strength. He's my salvation. He's my song. How I love and praise you, God. Daily, I worship you and passionately with all my heart. So I want to emphasize daily. You know, it's just like, if you know, about supplements. Like if you take your, you can't just take like your daily supplement, whatever it is, vitamin C, selenium, vitamin D. You can't just go, oh yeah, just take this like once a week. It has to be accumulative. So I promise you, if you're accumulative with your time with God and your time in praising him in using, doing it daily, purpose to seek God daily. It's accumulative. You're going to like how, um, Popeye had a spinach or those supplements will strengthen you being on a healthy, you know, clean diet will strengthen you daily. Like you can't just do it like one day and then the next day, you know, eat junk food. Like you've got to do it consistently. It's the same thing with being before the Lord daily. Like you're going to be empowered. You're going to be, um, 
what's the word? You're going to come to like godly joyfulness that's beyond the circumstances. And it says, my arms will wave to you like banners of praise. I overflow with praise when I come before you for the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. You are such a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. Now, remember the circumstances in David's life are not good right now when he's writing the psalm. They're not good. He's exiled in the wilderness. And we, you know, you might be going through this experience right now. And, um, you know, we've all gone through them. We all might go through it, you know, just because we love a lot as Christians, we should love people a lot. And it hurts us when they suffer. I mean, I was just reading in... Also, I read um, chapter 12 in Romans today. And, oh, where are you? And it talks about um, that when um, we celebrate verse 15, this is also in the Passion Bible, that we celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. So, you know, when other people are hurting, it should on... Uh, on a spiritual level affect us. Like we should have the love of Christ. We should have the compassion of Christ towards others. You know, Jesus was grieved when he saw them grieving over Lazarus. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And, you know, I do believe like I was originally taught that, um, he was also grieved by their unbelief, but the unbelief also caused a lot of pain and a lot of grief for them. And I think it was multifaceted that he was he was crying. Jesus himself was crying, not just for, um, not just for the fact of their lack of faith, but also he was sensing the, he was experiencing the grief that mortal people have towards the death of their mortal loved ones. So we know that our God is compassionate and he's been touched with everything and more that we've ever gone through. Um, the guilt, the shame, the the disappointment, the betrayal. He he's he's gone through it beyond beyond anything we can ask or think. Um, and it says, I lie awake each night thinking of you and reflecting on how you help me like a father. I sing through the night under your splendor shadow, offering up to you my songs of delight and joy. And I just want to say here that there's benefit as a believer to um to not finding entertainment and secular music. And I'm not saying that it's bad to do that or that every once in a while, if you go to a Zumba class or, you know, you're at the gym and you're kind of moving to the beat, I'm not saying that to put you in condemnation at all. Um, what I'm saying is that um, when you fill yourself up with songs that are celebrating God, the only God, and when you use that as your musical um you know, your musical appetite or, you know, when that's what you sing with, then um, you have those songs flowing through you. You keep hearing the melodies and those melodies lift you up. You know, those melodies lift you up. Like there's a lot of beautiful, you know, R&B ballad love songs out there. I was just talking to somebody about this today, um, a recording engineer. And, you know, but the thing is, you know, you keep hearing those songs go through you. So then you think about a human loved one. But when you have songs going through where you're thinking about how much God loves you and then, you know, God is all fulfilling. He, he, everything that is God entails everything about you. It's all encompassing of every, the total sum of every answer that you'll ever need and, and the total sum of all joy. So 
when you focus on him and you think on him, it just opens the door for supernatural joy to just flood your spirit, soul, and body. And so that's why I personally like to keep my um, music appetite um, focusing towards the music of God, to you know the 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 music that God's people wrote, or, or things that glorify God and speak of Him and speak of His love to us. And I like all kinds of genres of music, um, in, in all kinds of genres of godly music. So, and there's something out there for everybody. It says, "With passion, I pursue and cling to you. With passion, I pursue passion, passion. Um, I pursue and cling to you." you know, think of like clinging, you know, like you won't let the person go because I feel your grip on my life. He has a grip on us. How beautiful is that? It's not just one-sided. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life, like when I was a young girl that I had a crush on somebody, you know, um, boy crushes, and it totally was not reciprocated. <laughs> and, um, you know, like the song, it was just my imagination once again. You know, here I am, a big hypocrite, because <laughs> a, a secular song just came up. So, yeah, but I mean, I still got those songs in me because I haven't been a Christian my whole life, and they are pretty songs, but... Um, so, you know, God, like my late husband used to say, it's the renewing of your not mind, not the renewing, not the removing of your mind. So my mind is filled. I mean, I was a music major, you know, I used to sing R and B and I used to sing all kinds of stuff. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know those songs, but, um, I don't, um, I don't like, you know, put them on the majority of the music I listened to was not secular. Let's just say that. Uh, but you know, it was just my imagination. Like there wasn't any love or crush being reciprocated. Um, but with passion, I pursue and cling to you because I feel your grip. But in this case, it's reciprocal. God is gripping our life. I keep my soul close to your heart. Those who plot to destroy me shall descend into the darkness of hell. They will be consumed by their own evil and become nothing more than dust under our feet. So there's this assurance over fear when we delight ourselves in the Lord that we're going to be okay. God's got it. Like he's going to take care of it. He'll take care of our enemies. And, you know, sometimes the enemy is not in the form of a person or an institution um, or a society. Sometimes you know, it's our inner, it's working on our own character. Sometimes it's an addiction or a habit. Like you could put that in the category of an enemy too. Like we will not be consumed by weaknesses that we once had. Um, they will become nothing more than dust under our feet. Like we can speak that to ourselves. And I think those are some of the greatest victories. What, oh man, I wish I had this proverb memorized, but there's a proverb that says, you know, a man, something like, who has control over their own soul is stronger than somebody um, who can overtake a city, something like that. But that's like some of the greatest strength you ha can have is to overcome, to, you know, to have, to have, you know, to take control and to keep your body under, like Paul said, and to crucify your own flesh and to let yourself be transformed into the image of Christ and go through the godly crushing, you know, to become more humble, more loving, more compassionate, and to really go before God and say, show me, you know, every day, like, where can I improve? And, 
because we just live in this flawed world and we all come from flawed thinking, sometimes the things that we think we're doing wonderful in, even in our love walk, we find it was self-serving maybe. Um, and it was maybe based out of fear that we wanted people to like us. And God just keeps doing a deeper and deeper work of healing us. Denise Williams has a song called your love just keeps on healing me. And I used to like, not like the word so much. Cause I was of the, the theological mind that, um, well, once we're healed, you know, it's done. Like, why does he have to keep healing us? But then I realized that our soul, our soul is like a lifelong thing. We have to keep um, transform. We have to let the word of God transform us. It's a constant, beautiful walk of repentance. It's a cute, beautiful walk of, um, you know, just, um, just letting ourselves again, be more like Christ and let faulty thinking, low self-esteem or arrogance or narcissism, just let it fall, just let it fall off us. And unfortunately, like in our society, some of those things are so glamour, glamorized that we deceptively take that into our Christian walk, calling it faith. I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes what we're calling faith could be, um, you know, um, we're a little self-deceived. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I mean, if, if what you're believing God for is just like constant materialism and not for the glory of God to bless somebody else, you know, we white man, we might want to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. So that's all I'm saying there. Um, but, um, you know, much, um, respect for people who believe God and who've obtained finances because we need that. We need that in the body of Christ. We need to be much more powerful. I mean, some of the movies that have been recently made that are so awesome that took millions and millions and millions of dollars to make. And it takes millions and millions and millions of dollars more to keep them up. And, and that's just movies. Churches, they need money. Missionaries need money. Pastors need to live a very comfortable life so that they don't have to worry about bills. And they, you know, they can know that their kids could go to any college that the Lord leads them for their kids to go. Their kids can have the best education so that they can be at peace to, you know, be before the Lord and, and hear from God you know, and not have to constantly deal with like, how am I going to pay, you know, the plumbing for this leaky faucet or, um, my kid needs a tutor, but I can't afford it or, um, you know, anything, or, you know, I have to wash my clothes every single day because I have to, you know, um, be look nice before the people. And I only own one or two suits, you know, whatever the situation is, um, or whatever it is that, you know, you're wearing, I, I didn't mean to say a pastor has to wear a suit, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Right. So, um, let's see. And then it says these liars will be silenced forever. Well, we have lying voices trying to come to us all the time that we don't have enough. We don't do enough and we're not good enough. That's kind of the MO of the devil that we're not enough. We didn't do enough and we don't have enough. And then we just keep living this like meh, mediocre life because we're constantly walking with living in some, some kind of measurement of guilt and shame and trying to front that we really don't feel guilt and shame because we didn't get enough done. That's one thing. We don't have enough. We feel we're inferior to people who got bigger bank, better cars, um, bigger houses, which is just so you know, wrong that we do that to ourselves. 
I'm not, and, and then we put it on other people and we get this weird thing of jealousy. And it's like, they're not doing it to us. Like we're, we're, we're playing the measurement cast game. You know, we're the ones that are measuring, doing the um, cast system game. They're not even doing it. You know, they're just, uh, you know, and, and you can't do that because even um, nobody is without a lot of, there's no, it's, it's just really silly to be jealous over people that have more than you and have a lot of finances because the more money you have, the more responsibility. Um, if you have, you know, major funds or whatever, and you have a big giant house, well, then you have to, you know, have an assistant, a staff, there's a lot of work involved in it. And I used to, when I was like really young, before Christ, I would be envious of beautiful women, you know, or girls that were my age. And it wasn't until, you know, I got a little bit more mature that I realized they work so hard. They work so hard to like, you know, go to the gym, keep their figures like that. You know, and I was like at that time, like 30, 40 pounds overweight, I wasn't working hard at it. And, you know, the appointments to like keep your nails up and, and try to like, you know, be skilled into how to put clothes together and how to do your hair and, you know, um, wrap your hair at night and sleep in an uncomfortable position. And, you know, once I started getting into more working on being more presentable in front of people and taking care of my body. I'm like, man, this is work. Um, these ladies worked really hard. Like I am no longer like just much respect towards them, you know? And so same thing with singers, even secular singers that really sing amazing. It's like, you know, I, they might not be the ones that I'm being ministered to by, but you know, much respect because some of these singers, their skill set is amazing. So I try to just see, you know, the beauty and appreciate everybody, um, you know, for that and just pray for everybody's salvation, that they would use their gifts for God. Uh, let's see. But with the anointing of a king, I will dance and rejoice. Okay. My kings and queens out there, you know, we're royal, we're holy, we're chosen. Um, we've been made uniquely. I think that's first Peter two, nine or three, nine. I don't know the address, but the Bible talks about us. It says in Romans chapter five, that we will reign in this life. R E I G N. That means like a King. Um, you know, the Bible talks about, um, that Christ put all things under his feet and, and, um, you know, and that, um, God gave him to be head over the church, you know, so, um, that means all things are under our feet so that, you know, we're above, I mean, just get the visual here. Okay. Um, and those of you who are, you know, know my late pastor, you know, exactly who I'm talking about and you know, exactly who taught it and he could teach it much better than I can, but you know, much respect and love. So thankful for, um, my, um, pastor and his son of my church. Um, my pastor, my, the original pastor and founder who is now in glory. Thank you, Jesus, that I got to experience that and that he orchestrated my steps that I lived in. A, I grew up a whole different state and I wound up at 29 years old at that church in another state. Um, it, it's a long, I have to tell that testimony sometime, but, um, but if you look at your life, now that I went down that path, if you look at your life, did you ever wonder like, okay, look at your address, look where you're sitting right now. Look at what state you're living in. Like a lot of us didn't, we weren't even raised in that state. Like, look what God has done. Look at all the, look at how God, like things beyond anything you could ask or think, look at how he orchestrated your life so far. And he'll orchestrate the rest of it. If you just trust him. Um, so that Psalm 
63. And I did want to touch on Romans chapter 12. I'll just touch a little bit on that. I did refer to one verse, but um, I just want to remind you um, to remember to, you know, no task is too unimportant um, for God. Nobody is unimportant. There, I'm in the Passion Bible again, uh, Romans chapter 12. It says, don't live with a lofty mindset, thinking that you are too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. So, you know, probably the highest position in the heavenlies when they, you know, that the way God sees it, the way Jesus sees it, and he said it, that, you know, the highest, most honorable title you could ever have in this life is servant. That's the highest title you could, serving others. Um, it says, do your best to live as everybody's friend. It doesn't mean they don't have to, they have to love you back, but be a friend to people. Um, beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice, the justice for the scriptures say, vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. And I'm kind of going backwards in these scriptures. Um, speak blessing, not cursing over those who reject and persecute you. And I just want to add to this, speak blessing and not cursing to yourself. A lot of us, especially me in the past, had a really big habit of making myself the brunt of a joke, speaking really horribly about myself. And it was just me repeating what the devil was saying. I don't want to give him glory. I don't want to repeat what he said. Um, I don't want to make the devil happy. So uh, let's see. Um, and then verse 12 says, let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble. That's what I'm trying to tell you in a horrible time. You might be going through a horrible time right now. You might be through a time of shame. You might've made the big mistake yourself. Don't give up in a time of trouble, trouble. Everything falls under the spectrum of trouble, whether it's our fault, their fault, his fault, society's fault, um, government's fault. Don't give up in a time of trouble. Um, financial trouble, but commune with God at all times. Don't run away from God when it gets hard, especially when it's our faults. That's when we're really tempted because we think, you know, God's done with us, but he never, ever, 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 ever is. He'll no way cast us out. Um, let's see, um, be tender, loving, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. That means any ethnic background, every what would you call financial money background? Um, every geographic background, one family, guys, every generation, every age group, every diagnosis, um, every different type of personality, type A personalities, introverts, extroverts, creative types, analytical types, everybody, people who got PhDs, people who taught themselves to read and went and got their GED and can do amazing things with their hands people in the performing arts. We're one family, guys, and we need each other. Um, let's see. Um, uh, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. That should be like, we should wake up in the morning. Like this is our mission. Love God, love one another, love God, love one another, love God, love one another. Like we are just so programmed that anything contrary to that is like, doesn't compute, doesn't compute, doesn't compute, you know, um, a two D two, whoever that was, was that in star Wars? Did I say that right? You could tell I'm not, um, a big sci-fi person cause I probably said the wrong thing. Or is that the name of a cleaning project? product. I don't know. But anyways, uh, going backwards, I went backwards. Um, 
with Romans chapter 12, verse 21, that was the last verse, said, never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. And um, we want to respond to God's marvelous mercies by surrendering ourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes becomes our genuine genuine expression of worship. Worship isn't just singing. It's how we live. It's um, how we love. It's how we you know, um, talk about him. It's how we conduct ourselves. Um, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Be you. God made you amazing as you are, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. We need, we all need a total reformation on how we think. We've all been taught faulty things in school. Um, we've been taught, um, some of us have been faulty taught faulty things in churches, you know, maybe growing up or something. We've been told things about God that aren't even true and they weren't in line with this word, but you know, it was just a beautiful church and it was said in such a charismatic way that we just bought it. Um, so, okay. So I'm going to stop right here. I'm just praying that every sister and brother that is going through a horrible, horrible season right now. They're going through it. You're coming out of it with shining colors. I just pray that your loved ones are healed by the stripes of Jesus, that you are healed by the stripes of Jesus, that you, the most, your best days are ahead, that your finances will be restored, your friendships will be restored, your relationships will be restored, that you will come to find out how truly loved, amazing, and immensely gifted you are. You don't even know that you're more gifted than you even realize and you, and that you may not be appreciated right now. You may be overlooked, but that season is coming to an end in Jesus name. Um, Shalom, my sisters and brothers, and have a blessed rest of your day or a blessed evening.